Well, good evening, folks, and uh, what a blessing to see each and every one of you out this evening. And for those that are listening online, we welcome you as well. And thank you, Tim, for reading that chapter. And uh, some of the words are a little bit different from what we normally would uh, say. And uh, I can't understand how an Irishman could teach an Australian how to to read but there you go he did very very well amen okay let's just ask the lord's blessing in prayer let's pray lord jesus christ we seek thy face within the veil we bow the knee oh let thy glory fill this place and bless us while we wait on thee father again we give thee thanks that we can come into thy presence in and through that name which is above every name, the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We thank you for our eternal salvation. We thank thee, Father, that we have been picked out of the merry clay and put on the road to eternity with Christ. And Father, tonight we do pray that as we open up thy word, that you would indeed bless us from it, encourage us from it. Father, build us up in our most holy faith and draw us closer to yourself. Take the speaker. Hide him behind the cross. Let no man be seen. Save Jesus only. We'll be carefully give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in our Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. Folks, this uh, chapter 9 of 2 Samuel uh, presents to us uh, a beautiful illustration of the salvation we have in Christ and the compassion of the king to the one who was injured now there are several characters mentioned but the two main characters are Mephibosheth and he is a type of the lost sinner David is the other main character a type of the loving saviour and then later we will look at the return of the sovereign. So we have the lost sinner, the loving saviour, and the sovereign. Now David's treatment of Mephibosheth is certainly that of a man after God's own heart. He shows compassion. He shows caring. He shows love when we heard a little bit about love this morning but David showed love for someone who had been injured now love is not just saying we can say I love you until the cows come home but love is not just saying it's an action word it's a doing word and so as we look at this this evening we will see love in action. So the first thing we're going to look at is Mephibosheth. He is a type of the lost sinner. And the first thing we notice is that he was born from a rejected family, or should I say into a rejected family. Now please turn back, if you would, to First uh, Samuel 15. First Samuel 15. And I'll just read verse 26. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, 
Remember the situation where uh, Saul was sent out to slay the Amalekites and not to leave any alive? And he left them alive, and of course he blamed the people. It's funny how always people blame everybody else. But he blamed the people, and uh, Samuel came on to him and said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and has given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than you. And uh, uh, what a slap in the face that was to Saul. And uh, of course, we know that that was David that was going to take over. So Mephibosheth was born into a rejected family. Uh, and so as the, the son of Jonathan, though, uh, and he was the grandson of Saul, Mephibosheth was rejected. He was the son of a prince, yet he lived a life of dependence upon others. Almost as far away from Jerusalem and as far away from the worship center in Israel as possible. Now here's Bernie's big opportunity. Okay, Bernie's going to point out to you where Lodibar is. And Lodibar, is, I know it's only a small map, but it's uh, north and to the east. That's the other side of Jordan. Okay, so Lodibar is where Mephibosheth was living. And folks, we too, as part of Adam's family, were under condemnation. We were rejected as such because of Adam's sin. And everybody who's born is born in sin. You know, sometimes I listen to some of these so-called liberals talking, and uh, we hear the liberal Christian today talking about this universal salvation. Folks, nonsense. And if you're listening in this evening, it's the same nonsense. No, no, no. It's not universal salvation. It's universal condemnation for all. And all means all, and that's all all means. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It's universal condemnation. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You can't make it any clearer if you tried. Folks, sin will take you further than what you want to go. It will keep you longer than what you want to stay. And it will cost you more than what you want to pay. Don't allow sin to take you to Lodi Bar. Lodi Bar was as far away from God as possible. And we're talking about where God met with the people in the temple and so forth. So Mephibosheth was born into a rejected family. As we are born under condemnation. The second thing we notice about Mephibosheth, he was injured by the fall. 
injured by the fall. Now, I don't know if you know the story about Mephibosheth, but please turn back to 2 Samuel chapter 4. Just back a couple of pages, 2 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 4 says this, And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame on his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came to Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth fell, and he became lame. And so it was because of the fall. Because of the fall, he could not walk. And again, likewise was up, folks. Because of the fall in the garden, we cannot walk to please God. Ephesians 2, 2 says this, Wherein in time past ye walked. See, this is our walk in the past. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Yes, we walked according to the course of this world, which is in disobedience to God. But praise God, that was in the past, in time past. But now in Christ, we can walk circumspectly. We can walk in love. We can walk to please God. Let me ask you the question. How's your walk? Are you walking with God? Are you walking to please God? Or are you walking to please self? Mephibosheth was lame on both his feet. He could not walk. He was from a rejected family. And the next thing we notice about Mephibosheth is where he lived. And Bernie pointed it out. And it was, he was missing out on the best. He lived in Lodibar. Now, Dibar means pasture. Lo means nothing or nothingness. So he lived in a place of no pasture, a place of nothingness. It was a nothing town, if you like, no pasture, no place for the souls of men to be satisfied. And folks, men today are in a similar situation. Men today are hungering and thirsting, even if they don't realize it. Listen, the world with all its trappings and all its pleasure can never satisfy. Men today outside of Christ live in a spiritual lodi bar, a place where there's no satisfaction, a place where they can never be satisfied. And no amount of self-effort or good works will save them. And many of them think, that they have it made. But <laughs> they're missing out on the best. They're in Lodi Bar. And those that stay in Lodi Bar will perish. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But if you do not believe in Jesus Christ, if you do not accept him as your Savior, if you stay in Lodi Bar, then you will perish. Folks, I can't make it any clearer. It's very clear in the Scriptures. The fourth thing we see in relation to Mephibosheth is he had a dire, dreadful, distressing future. Listen, he was crippled on both legs. He could not walk. He was a lame man. The outward, or the outlook, was bleak. Outwardly, people could see what he was like. Perhaps, perhaps we would never have heard much of him if it were not for the graciousness of the king. David reached out, you see. And we look at that in four months. But his name is now written in God's word because David reached out to him. And folks, what a dire situation the lost sinner is in today. Under condemnation, cannot walk to please God, spiritually crippled, missing out on God's best in a world that can never satisfy. Fallen man. He cannot help himself. And as I thought about this, I searched my own heart. And, and I asked my own heart, as it were, am I reaching out as much as I can? And I had to chastise myself. And I dare say we would all have to do that. Are we reaching out as much as we can to save those who are in a dire situation, who if they stay in Lodi Bar, will be sent to hell? It's as simple as that. The lost sinner, Mephibosheth. But praise God. Praise God we see the loving Savior. We see the loving Savior in what David did for Mephibosheth. David, a man after God's own heart, reaching out to the one who was crippled by the fall. Mephibosheth came from a rejected family. He was injured by the fall. He lived in a lowly bar, place of no pasture, and had a dire, distressing future. But David reached out to him. Now, there are several things I want to point out to you which reminds us of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. First of all, look at chapter 9 and verse 1 which Tim read to us tonight. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? So the first thing we see here is David made the first move. Folks, salvation is of the Lord. The Lord has taken the first step. 
and continues to take steps to bring us to himself. Because we in ourselves cannot seek after God. Romans chapter 3, as it is written, there is none righteous. There is none that seeketh after God. There is none that understandeth. We cannot seek after God. Folks, in our own strength, we do not seek after God. But (laughs) by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we are led to see ourselves as we really are. Dead in sin, far from God, rejected because of our father Adam. For all have sinned and can show the glory of God. Yes, it was because of Adam sin because Adam sinned but we cannot blame Adam for our sin that's the thing and just as King David sent for the helpless Mephibosheth so God sent his son to this earth to seek and to save that which is lost Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 because we too because of the fall were helpless could not save ourselves. So David made the first move. And our Lord made the first move in relation to us. Now, secondly, we see that this is an act of kindness. An act of kindness. And this act of kindness was determined years earlier. Please turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 20. 1 Samuel chapter 20. And we'll read a few verses here, and you'll see the pact or the promise that was made. In 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 11, it says this. And Jonathan said unto David, Come, let us go out into the field. And then went out, both of them, into the field. And Jonathan said unto David, O Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my father about tomorrow, any time, or the third day, and behold, if there be good towards David, and I then sent not unto thee, and showed thee, the Lord do so, and much more to Jonathan. But if it please my father to do thee evil, then I will show it thee, and send thee away, that thou mayest go in peace, and the Lord be with thee, as he has been with my father. And I shall not only whilst yet I live show me the kindness of the Lord that I die not listen but also thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever no not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David every one from the face of the earth so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies and Jonathan caused David to swear again because he loved him for he loved him as he loved his own soul then Jonathan said to David tomorrow is the new moon and thou shalt be missed because thy seat will be empty and many's the time I said that to some of the folks in Benilla uh, 
when they weren't there on a Sunday night, you were missed because your seat was empty. And uh, it seems to be that people have their favorite seats. And uh, you are missed when your seat is empty. It's as simple as that. But here was a, a covenant. Here was a pact. Here was uh, a promise that was made uh, by David to Jonathan that he would not cut off his house forever. And Jonathan knew what was happening. Jonathan knew that David was going to be the king and so forth. And so uh, it was determined. That's what I'm getting at. Uh, This act of kindness was determined many years earlier. David and Jonathan had a great love for each other. And we do not want to take that out of context, folks. And you liberals that might be listening in, it is pure, unadulterated love, friend for friend. Simple as that. David... uh, and Jonathan had a, a, a wonderful friendship. Now, Jonathan helped David to escape the murderous hands of his own father, but also made him swear that he would look after his family in the future. And we've read it. But also thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. And folks, isn't that true that the Lord God from eternity past determined to send his only son to save our souls. We'll not turn to it, but Hebrews chapter 13, 20 and 21. The Lord from eternity past determined to save our souls through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So, David made the first move. David acted out of compassion because of the promise made earlier. Next we see the third thing that he did. It was an act of kindness. Verse 3 says, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I might show the kindness of God unto him? That's interesting, folks, that David does not say that I might show kindness unto him. And here we see the measure of the man David. He was a man after God's own heart. And he gives God the glory here. Uh, the kindness of God unto him. Now again, we will not turn to it, but in Psalm 107, one of my favorite Psalms, there four times it says, Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 8, verse 15, verse 21, verse 31, exactly the same verse. Over and over and over again. And here, David gives God the glory for the kindness that he showed. David walked the walk. And David talked the talk. Simple as that. Wonderful man. A man after God's own heart. And it was an act of kindness. An act of compassion. An act of grace. So David sent his servant to procure the one who was injured. The one who was injured by the fall. The one who could not help himself. And he fetched him out of someone else's home. Then he comes before David and he fell in an act of reverence before David. Folks, please listen carefully. That's exactly what happened to us. We who were injured by the fall, and then God sent 
the Spirit, and by his prompting, we came out of the family, the devil's family, out of the world. And we fell, as it were, metaphorically speaking, at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ, our coming King, who has given us salvation through his shed blood. Notice how the servant did his work. Then the king takes over. You see, no man, no preacher, no evangelist can save any person. But they can bring them to the person who can. Just like Andrew brought the Greeks to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's our responsibility. That's why we are here, to preach the word, to teach the word, to bring others to the Lord Jesus Christ. The servant brought Mephibosheth to his master's feet. Isn't that wonderful? Also notice that the king calls him by his name. He says, Mephibosheth. And uh, just by the way, in 1 Chronicles, his name is Miribal. Miribal. 1 Chronicles chapter 8, 34, 1 Chronicles 9, verse 40. But his name means from the mouth of shame. From the mouth of shame. But this must have been a, a very tender moment in David's eyes. Must have been a very tender moment in David's life. Maybe David had a tear in his eye. He would have remembered his friend Jonathan. He would have remembered King Saul in a very good way because he was not out to slay the king whom the Lord put on the throne. But he certainly would have remembered Jonathan and now he sees his son, Mephibosheth, who was crippled, who fell at his feet. He couldn't walk. Couldn't lift himself up. And now he calls him by his name, Mephibosheth. You know, John 10, verse 3 says he calls his own by his name, by name. Yes, folks, the Lord knows each and every one of us by name. Pastor Gavin was saying this morning, he knows the stars by name. He's got no problem about knowing us by name. That is as long as we have accepted him as our Savior. He knows his own sheep by name. He calleth his own sheep by name. So, he made the first step or the first move. He was, it was an act of kindness. It was based on a promise. He called him personally. And the next thing we notice is that David took him into his own family. Isn't that wonderful? Mephibosheth considered himself a servant. Look at verse 6 that was read to us tonight. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Behold, thy servant. He considered himself a servant. But David made him a son. 
Look at verse 11. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. What a wonderful verse. Isn't that what's happened to us? We are the king's sons, sons of God and joint heirs with Christ. David made him as a son. And of course, this reminds us, I believe, of another son. We call him the prodigal son. And again, we're not going into the details there, but Luke 15 and verse 19, it says, Make me as one of thy hard servants. He, he saw himself as one of the servants. Remember, he got despondent and he departed and he goes degraded his life and so forth. Then he remembered, then he responded, then he returned home. And his father says, For this, my son was dead and is alive again. His son was born again, as it were. And folks, so it is with us. And John 1 and verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them give he the power to become the sons of God. I don't think we can really enter into the depth of what that means. I don't think we can understand what it is to be a son of God, to be a joint heir with Christ. I think it's beyond us. We accept it. We believe it. And one day we will be in glory with our Lord Jesus Christ as one of his sons, as it were, joint heirs with Christ. Unbelievable. And in 1 John 3 verse 1 it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. What a blessing. And David bestowed this honor upon the one who was from a rejected family, injured by the fall, who was missing out on the best, a place of no pasture, had a dire and distressing future ahead of him. Folks, <laughs> that sounds very familiar to me. Uh, that's the pathway that I have come along. But David said unto him, Fear not. And here we see the graciousness of the king. The graciousness of the king. David was not going to condemn him, but rather reward him. And folks, we are under condemnation. And we deserve to be condemned. But because Christ suffered and bore the penalty of our sin in his own body on the tree, we do not need to fear. Because we are no longer under condemnation, but we stand in the presence of God with the imputed righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, the word of God says, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, Therefore, there is now therefore now no condemnation, we're not going to be condemned. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And I think that verse 11 in that chapter we read together is an incredible verse. Because here we see the reward, if you like, the reward of the king. Not only 
was Mephibosheth made a son, but he sat at the king's table as one of the king's sons. Verse 13 says, For he did eat continually at the king's table. Now, as I thought about this whole situation, I thought about Psalm 23. That's why I picked that hymn tonight. We'll not turn to it, but it certainly highlights exactly the same thing which happened to Mephibosheth. It was very appropriate for this situation with Mephibosheth. And of course, it's applicable to us. Lastly, I want to speak about the return of the sovereign. Or you can speak about the lost sinner a lot more. You can speak about the loving saviour a lot more. But I just want to finish off by looking at the return of the sovereign. I study the portion of scripture, 2 Samuel chapter 16, please. 2 Samuel chapter 16. And I only have time to relate some of it to you. Let's say, very briefly, because of the rebellion of Absalom, and I think you understand that story, because of the rebellion of Absalom, David was in exile. And then Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met David with provisions. Look at chapter 16 and verse 1. And when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of asses saddled and upon them 200 loaves of bread and 100 bunches of raisins and 100 bunches of uh, summer fruits, a, a, a bottle of wine. And so Ziba came to meet King David in exile and brought all these provisions. But then, in verse 3, and you really need to take notice of this, in chapter 16 and verse 3 it says this, And the king says, Where is thy master's son? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he abideth at Jerusalem, for he said, Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my father. Then said the king to Ziba, Behold, thine are all pertained unto Mephibosheth. And Ziba said, I humbly beseech thee that I might find grace in thy sight. Ziba told the king lies. He told him, after the king asked, well, where is Mephibosheth? He says he's waiting to get the kingdom. He says he, the kingdom's going to be restored unto him. And he lied. As I thought about it, here was a man putting on an act. Oh, he, he brought things to the king. He brought provisions, like on an safari, you know. Uh, brought provisions and uh, led them at David's feet. And he told lies about Mephibosheth. And then when David returned to Jerusalem, he met up with Mephibosheth. And he learned the truth 
as it is recorded in chapter 19. Please turn over to chapter 19 and verse 24 to 30. 2 Samuel 19, 24. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king. And by this time, David was being restored back in Jerusalem. And Mephibosheth, the son of David, our son of Saul, came down to meet the king. I had neither dressed his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came again in peace. Remember that. And it came to pass, when he was come to Jerusalem, he met the king. That the king said unto him, Wherefore wentest not thou with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, the king, my lord, O king, my servant deceived me, for thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass, that I may ride upon and go to the king, because thy servant is lame. And he has slandered thy servant unto the Lord the king. But my Lord the king is an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. For all of my master, father's house were but dead men before my Lord the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that did eat at thine own table? What right therefore have I yet to cry any more unto the king? And the king said unto him, Why speakest thou any more of these matters, of thy matters? I have said, Thou and Ziba divide the land. And Mephibosheth said unto the king, Listen, Yea, let him take all, for as much as my lord the king is come again in peace unto his own house and so I thought much about this Mephibosheth was actually waiting for the king's return and he was willing to let all his lands and all his possessions go because he was glad to see the king coming in peace I think that's wonderful and folks, it reminds me of our coming King, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has gone away for a while, just like David, but will come again in peace to take us, the church, his bride, to be forever with the Lord. And all the lands and all the possessions we have will be left behind as we meet the Lord in the air. And folks, all this, all this teaches us of David's compassion for one who had been injured by the fall. Compassion, concern, as he reached out to help the injured Mephibosheth. It also reminds us of the story which we call the Good Samaritan. Although nowhere in Scripture is he called good? Did you know that? Nowhere in scripture is he called good. But he's called a certain Samaritan. It's recorded in Luke chapter 10. The gospel of Luke is the only gospel that records it. it talks about a certain man. 
went down from Jerusalem and fell among thieves. And there's that word again, he fell. He fell among thieves. And they left him half dead. This man was in a serious condition. He was lying there on the side of the road, visible for all to see. They could see he was injured. He was half dead. But the priest, the religious man, looked and passed by. No compassion, no concern, no caring. Then the Levite, a man who represents the workers in the church, he assisted the priest in the Jewish temple worship. And he passed by and he did nothing as well. Then a certain Samaritan came by. The Bible actually says he came to where he was and he had compassion on him. He took care of his injuries. He gave him oil and wine, oil speaking of the spirit, wine speaking of joy, set him on his own beast, took him to a place that would care for him and paid all his costs. We know the story well. The priest and the Levite did nothing to help this one who was injured. There was no compassion, no caring, no help. But the Samaritan showed compassion and he helped him. And he was the outsider as such. And folks, just in closing, as a fundamental church in these last days. And if you're listening in and you're from a fundamental church, we need to be vigilant in these days. People are hurting out there. We need to be vigilant and look out for those who are hurting. Look for those who are injured and come alongside to where they are and show some comfort and have compassion on them. Don't neglect them. Don't sweep them onto the carpet. Don't think that you know better. Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Let's pray. Our gracious God, and our loving Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word this evening. And Father, we can see the pictures in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. We can see how we ought to behave. We can see how gracious You have been unto us. We can see the love and the care and the compassion You have showed. And O oh God, our Father, we do pray that we might see those examples and that we may be doers of the word and not hearers only. Father, bless us as we close and take us to our homes in safety. We ask it all in our Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen.